Okay, before we start this podcast, if you guys remember our last episode, Reese composed a beautiful parody of Showtime, NBC on NBA. Round ball rock NBA on NBC. How dare you? How dare you? Oh, just wait. I have made my own composition for this one, and I'm just going to sing it for you. So here we go. Feels good on a Wednesday night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I also spent spent the last 10 minutes trying to find the lyrics to Carrie Underwood's (laughs) Sunday Night Football song, and I couldn't find it. Oh, my gosh. I knew immediately that's what you were going for. Gosh dang it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, what should I do? I can say Wednesday. Oh, man. There's no football on Wednesdays. Dude, I mean, there is if you're the Mac. <laughs> Gotta love Yikes. that any given Wednesday Mac-tion. <laughs> Kent State versus Toledo. <laughs> Kent State versus Toledo in a grilling rivalry match. Remember, Kareem Hunt went here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, hello and welcome to this weekday episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friends Reese, and only Reese, we will be presenting our second Crushable cast. This one is going to focus on fantasy sports. This episode will be named Fountain Fantasy I just made that executive decision. Sorry, Reese. I like Fountain Fantasy. So we're going to be focusing on fantasy football, and we're going to dive deep into our beloved Kansas City Chiefs and how they will affect fantasy sports and who you want to draft, who you probably don't want to draft, and we'll get into some fun fun games there. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, we have just Reese with us today. Kyle is... I actually don't know where Kyle... Where is Kyle? Um, I think he said something about fighting the system. Uh, Whether he meant... (laughs) Our system or China's system at this point, I could not tell you. Uh, he's a freedom fighter, man. He loves freedom. What can I say? Kyle, you do your thing. Maybe it's a wedding. Same thing, yeah, right? F- freedom. <laughs> Fight the power. He's going to be the guy that stands up. Does anybody object to this union? He'll be like, stonks. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? why doesn't no one get this joke? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you guys listen and subscribe on Patreon and Apple Podcasts? <laughs> At a boy, at a boy, Kyle. We hope you're having a good time at whatever you're doing. Um, but we have to go on without you. So here we go. So we're talking about fantasy sports, and as I was uh, researching on what we're going to talk about today, I just kept having this nightmare of all the awful players that I've had in fantasy football. And and don't get me wrong, Reese and I are actually like pretty decent fantasy football players, and hopefully our knowledge will help you guys out. But like we've just had some awful luck in the past. So I'm I'm going to start the podcast off with players you never want to draft again. Number 1, Julio Jones. Oh dude. <laughs> he's he's always in the top 5 of running backs, right? Y- you mean A very wide talented receivers? player. Did I say running backs? You guys. sure did. <laughs> Julio, just just leave it. We're 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 not even gonna cut that. Julio Jones <laughs> is a terrible running back. I'll give you that. So you're not wrong so far. <laughs> <laughs> Phew. Okay. 
he's a bad wide receiver in fantasy sports, right? Like you, you want him on your team, but you don't want him on your fantasy team. A couple years ago, when I had him on my team, he scored one touchdown. <laughs> that's that's very one. He is pretty allergic to the end zone. I got to give you that as well. You're two for two. Like he has Matt Ryan, right? And then all of a sudden, who is who is the next Jerry Rice? Calvin Ridley. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Like Julio Jones over here, like a very athletic guy, like can definitely get any 50-50 ball. But who gets all the touches? Calvin Ridley. I mean, to be in his fairness as well, like he'd probably have Ridley Scott as the number two wide receiver. He'd still get more touchdowns <laughs> than Julio Jones. <laughs> so I just have some like hardcore nightmares about Julio. I don't care if Julio scores a hundred touchdowns this year. I'm never drafting Julio again. Reese, how about you? Oh man. I didn't just get shame on you, fool me once, but I got shame on me, fool me twice. And Leonard Fournette, man. I mean, if you want to talk about somebody, you know, coming out of LSU who seemed to have it all, and you're like, this is going to be a great fantasy back. And for two straight drafts, he fell to me. I'm like, this is great. I'm going to get them next time. Nobody wants him. The reason nobody wants him is that he's got like Achilles heel, but like wrapped all the way around his ankles. Oh my gosh. That guy is just one injury after another, it seems. He'll come in healthy for one game and score you a crap ton of points and probably be one of your leading scorers. And then he's just like gone for the next five or six weeks. I'm like, where, where, how, what is this team doing? <laughs> so unfortunately, Leonard Fournette, dude, I know this is going to hurt you to hear it, but not friend of the podcast. Well, do you know who drafted Leonard Fournette in two mock drafts already this week? Who? Hot take Mondo, baby. Oh. Let's go Leonard Fournette 2020. Good. This is going to be my ring tape. I passed the curse off onto you. He's your problem now. <laughs> no, I've had Leonard Fournette before. Well, what's funny is that Leonard Fournette is like dropping in drafts because of exactly what you're talking about, Reese. But he's still the like workhorse of the Jags. So it's like, you know, do I want a second running back on a team like a Matt Burita? Or do I want Leonard Fournette that's just going to be a cowbell? Well, maybe with Gardner Minshew passing this year, he'll have a little bit, you know, less of a a load on the offensive front. Maybe he can keep those ankles taped up a little better. But man, it's just it's burned me too many times. <laughs> I can't go back to the well. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, uh, sports fans, now you know. Don't draft Julio Jones, and if Leonard Fournette falls, maybe draft him. But yeah, definitely don't draft him in the first like three rounds. No. <laughs> Nope, get him as your running back number two and profit. <laughs> and with that, it's fantasy football time, baby. We are so excited for fantasy football. Um, but obviously there's a big elephant in the room, and that elephant's name is COVID. So what do we do? Um, this is a good debate. Uh, if you are a manager of a team or, or you are the commissioner of a league, do you have any extra rules now as a commissioner if you're commissioner of a league because of COVID? Well, the question is, are we talking, are we going to try and like boost up the offensive points per game sort of rules for our league? Or are we talking more like a fundamental change for one year in regards to the way that fantasy football works? Yeah, yeah. So I'm specifically talking about fundamental changes. Like, are you adding more IR spots? Um, are you having a time where you're just going to cut it off? You know, say say COVID destroys the NFL week five and then they have to cancel the league. Are you refunding all the money or are you going with 
the highest uh, point getter? Are you going with the highest standing person at that point? Yeah, dude. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> All right, you're about to experience my version of Bang Bang Yang Gang. <laughs> By which I'm not giving everybody $5,000 a month as a stipend to work with, but I'm doing something like so against the grain of how fantasy football works, but I think it could rectify a lot of problems. Oh, now, now no. hear me out. Referees, here we go. So when you draft in the fantasy football draft or for whatever league you're doing, you get two, and I put air quotes on this, two picks per pick. The first pick you pick is your primary pick. He's the starter. He's on your team. He's in your roster. He's part of the group. The second pick you make is... This is where it's hard to describe. I don't want to say it's a phantom pick. But let me give an example here. Uh, we're in some draft, and number one overall is Ezekiel Elliott. So I choose Ezekiel Elliott. And then for my second pick, I'm going to go with uh, Odell Beckham Jr., so Ezekiel Elliott is effectively on my team. Odell Beckham Jr. then gets put in this like injured reserve plus. By which I mean injured reserve plus, let's just say there's so many people with COVID. Let's just say there's a massive wipeout between three teams on COVID to the point that like you don't have any wide receivers. You don't have anyone you can put in at wide receiver two. So I'm going to go into my injured reserve plus and take that phantom Odell Beckham Jr. pick for the weeks that you know, the COVID is affecting a certain ratio of players, plug him in, and I don't get full Odell Beckham Jr. points, but I get something like, I don't know, 50% or three-fourths of the points he puts up just for that week. I have to take him off that injured reserve wait, plus. Wait, wait, let me, let me stop you real quick. So, technically, pretend like you, you and I are in a league. You have phantom OBJ, but I can get actual OBJ as well. Exactly. So, like... It's possible that we're playing a game, a head-to-head -head matchup, where you got OBJ starting at your wide receiver one. I technically have him starting at wide receiver one, but he puts up 40 points that week. He's the real pick on your team, so you get all 40 points. He's the injured reserve plus phantom pick on my team, so he only gets me like 20 or maybe 30, depending on the ratio. I totally get what you're... What do you think of that? <laughs> I totally get what you're saying, but this is some Albert Einstein right here <laughs> people people that play fantasy are just trying to like get some wings at wing shack bro you just you just went into harvard 101 like like statistics uh probability end of times i told you it was going to be completely against the grain of how fantasy football works but like i said that would just be like some sort of last ditch no pun intended hail mary of what you do if like a big chunk of the nfl gets wiped out with covid and you have to do something about it yeah. you know it's like are you gonna go to the waiver wire and hope that like i don't know funches gets you five <laughs> points this week or do you want to use that like phantom lbj pick i'm gonna the, the only thing i'm gonna elaborate more on that is that once someone is phantom picked they're gone off the table completely so, like, essentially, everybody can be picked twice. They right. can be picked for a primary team. Right, but they can you, be picked for you, a you essentially team. can't have three OBJ Phantoms, right? Just one Phantom. Can't, exactly. And, like, he can't be a Phantom for more than one team. Well, no, I mean, Reese, there, there are a lot of weird leagues out there. Like, I know that there's something called a Vampire League where, um, have you ever heard of this before? It's actually really cool. Do you, like, sparkle when you score a touchdown? Okay, so, uh, so there's, there's ten... 
there's like 10 teams and one team is a phantom so or is a vampire so one team does not draft at all so all their players are waiver wire players hmm so then they go up against a team so if the vampire team beats another team in any week that vampire team can take one player from that other team Ah, yes, I see the Yu-Gi-Oh method. You win, I get your best card. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So right that's on. actually... So, I mean, if that can be a team... I mean, if that can be a league, I can totally see your thing being a league. I was just giving you about the Albert Einstein stuff. No, of course. My only question on that... So what happens then if you're some guy who drafts like almost all the Denver Broncos? You get Noah Fant, you get Drew Locke, you get Philip Lindsay. You, you get Melvin Gordon. Then what do you do if, like, everyone on the Broncos comes down with COVID and, like, your entire team is down? That's the tricky yeah, that's thing. Good, yeah. Yeah, so what, what I was thinking is that you would have extra IR spots, right? So some leagues have two IR spots already, but that you have COVID-specific IR spots that are specifically for those that contract COVID and then are leaving their team. So you can essentially have four IR spots. You can have six IR spots. Um, but you're right. Like, if a whole team is wiped out, then you would have to go with all these waiver wire players that you would put on your IR. But I think it would be important for those that are listening to the podcast that could be commissioners. It's important to think about your IR spots and making more IR spots or COVID specific IR spots, right? Um, because you're right. It's very possible that if one player on the team has COVID, very many people on that team could have it if they haven't regulated. And that's what I was getting with the Phantom stuff, too, is that, like, even with more IR spots, like, well, you got a bunch of, like, three to five point IR contributors, it's like you're still going to get crushed that week. And that was my hope, is that, like, a Phantom guy would be able to come in and not necessarily get you a star player's worth of points, but, you know, a good contributing player for that week. And they would only be activatable... If someone had COVID, I'm not talking like someone tears their ACL, breaks an ankle, something like that. Only if a player has COVID, can you dip into this phantom pool? Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And and going back to what you said about hamstrings or pulling something, that's going to happen a lot more because they they don't have enough training time, right? And they also don't have any any preseason time. So a lot of these guys week one, especially the younger players, like the rookies or like year two, year three players, are gonna have a lot of fatigue because they they aren't they haven't done their full training camp and a lot of like if you've watched um hard knocks, like um the uh, the uh, charters have been talking about that exactly for like all of these all these new players, they're like um Austin Eckler would not be a thing if it wasn't for preseason games, right? Chargers didn't know about Austin Eckler until they started to put him into games. This is actually a tangent, not for what I was specifically talking about, but very interesting. Like, all these rookies and stuff really got a scrap, and it's very easy for them to pull a hamstring you know, if they're not ready for all this for week one football. I mean, friend of the podcast, Kurt Warner, wouldn't be a thing if Trent Green hadn't broken his leg in the preseason. I'm serious. It's, it's crazy to oh, think about. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. So a lot of things to consider. Um, so if you're listening to the podcast, I would definitely recommend adding some IR spots. Now, Reese, COVID happens and, and the season is canceled. What week would you have as the cap of let's refund all the money 
or at this week, that counts and that's it, right? The top point getter gets it or the person with the best stand standing gets it. Mm. What are your thoughts? Uh, my knee-jerk reaction was you give it just over the NFL schedule so everyone's played nine games. But I think realistically, I'd rather be looking at getting double digits 10 games into the season before you do a... Yeah, looking at 10 games before people get their money back. Like, once week 10 happens, that's the cutoff to drop a class and, you know, and take the W. That's uh, that's when you have to take your grade. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you there, Reese. I think 10 weeks is perfect for it. If it's 9, then you refund the player or you refund all the people in your league. And at 10 weeks, I'm also looking at the highest point getter and not the best standings. Um, that way it's pretty fair, you know, you have, you know, someone that is very meticulous and someone that is, you know, definitely been looking at which players are better than the other. So, yeah, if you're a commissioner in the league, I would definitely have the the 10 week be uh, be the cutoff. All right, that's excellent. Let's move on now. For those of you that may be beginners of fantasy football or for those of you that just haven't had good fantasy football luck. Reese and I have come up with the commandments of fantasy football to kind of get you through the draft and also some things to think about while you are in your league to kind of help you out because mostly, you know, fantasy football is luck, right? If someone has the first pick of the draft and they get Christian McCaffrey and you have 12 and your first pick is Garner Minshew, that well, first of all, that's your fault, but... Ah. Uh, <laughs> um, but there is a luck of the draw there. But we've we've come up with a few things to kind of help you through your draft. And here we go. Yeah, let's just go back and forth. Reese, I can start if you want. Or Yeah, lead us on, Moses. All right. Well, I, I don't have the Solomon. <laughs> I was going to say the Solomon of Wisdom. <laughs> Yikes, I haven't even finished my whole beer yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First thing that I like to think about is value. Right, not necessarily talent. For example, Julio Jones. Let's let's go back to Julio Jones. Right? Julio Jones, incredibly talented player. I have nothing bad to say about his talent, and neither does anybody else. But if you look at his target share and what he has, right, he's not as valuable as someone that is less talented that is going to get a high target share. So that's something that I look at immediately, and and we'll we'll talk about that when we start talking about the Chiefs because there's particular players on there that may not be the most talented, but their target share is going to be massive. So always consider target share, especially for those players like a like a David Montgomery on the Bears, right? Not a great player, but that dude's going to get the ball. They don't even know who their their quarterback is, like. Like, is it Mitch Trubisky? Is it the other dude? I mean, no one even knows. So consider players like that that you know are going to have to run the football. You know who the quarterback isn't no matter what? Patrick Mahomes. You got it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So this is what's going to be fun about this is that Armando comes out swinging with a tip. I'm going to come out swinging with etiquette. And I think this is going to be very good cop, bad cop through all the commandments. Because my first commandment of fantasy football is you have to be there for your draft. Now, what I'm saying is if you're part of... (laughs) If you're part of a league and you've all set a date for the draft, even if you can't be there in person with everybody else, you draft. So what I'm saying is don't you put auto-draft on because auto-draft is trash and it throws off competitive balance in the league. Because if you have your – like 
What I'm saying is if you have your phone with you and you're at work, hide that thing under the desk when you feel it go, and you draft the player you want (laughs) or have somebody in the wings to draft. Because the only thing that irks me more than when I am last in the first round on a snake draft is when somebody is auto-drafting and without their will and consent, they pick the best player on the board, even if they wouldn't actually pick them in real life because they don't need them. So, like, I'm like, I'm going to draft my first quarterback. This is great. And it's like, my quarterback, too, is Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, oh, gosh, dang it. You know, it's it's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. Okay, also, that's a great reason. I'm, I'm going to add to your point and then add another commandment. Um, don't auto-draft at the end of the draft, right? You're like, oh, it's just it's just the last couple picks and then auto-draft, right? There's a lot of excellent value out there. So commandment number three, know who your handcuffs are. If you draft Ezekiel Elliott, know who his backup is. Know who Tony Pollard is. If you draft Dalvin Cook, know who Alex Madison is, right? Know who all these guys are. Because not only because of injury that we talked about in the beginning, that these guys are more susceptible to injury because they haven't trained as much, but now COVID as well. Your star running back, those first couple guys could easily go out. So it's important at those last couple picks to see if a Tony Pollard is there, to see if, uh, uh, for example, with the Chiefs for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, see well we don't even know who is third who the second option is right now but see if daryl williams is there see if dj washington's there um that's very important it's going to be super important for this year's leagues so make sure you know your handcuffs man this is so much fun good cop armando to bad cop reese etiquette commandment number two give it your all or at least what you have for every matchup (laughs) What is this, Reese? What is what is this? This one from referees to like sixth grade basketball coach Reese. Oh, you you're dang certain sixth grade basketball <laughs> coach Reese. Just as sure as you can hit a grand slam when you're already up runs, don't be afraid, and I encourage you to give it your all for every matchup. Now, what I'm saying with this is, let's say you start the season 0-4, and your top two picks in the draft are both injured. And they're going to be injured for a long time. It's like, man, I have nothing to trade. My team sucks. There's nothing anybody wants. This season's over. Okay, maybe it is. But don't just roll over. Every week, put out your best statistical lineup. Check the waiver wire for sleepers. Try and make some trades. Because what I'm saying is, even if you don't, like, even if you suck, don't roll over to just give the guy a free win. Don't be like, whatever, this is my lineup this week. Even if you have to start as your wide receiver one, a veteran six points per game, Larry Fitzgerald, it is still better than putting in some two points per game rookie just because they're the auto first pick on your wide receivers. I'm going to share a quick story, Reese. One year I drafted Le'Veon Bell first round, Jared McKinnon second round. Jared McKinnon got injured that year as well as Le'Veon Bell, or he got suspended. I it, that's a vague it was like a few years ago i forgot what had happened but both were out for me if i would have gone the anti-reese commandment i could have just said my season was over i picked up levian bell's handcuff james connor james connor had the year of his life right he, he was i think like running back three that year 
And Ezekiel Elliott was suspended for eight games to start the season, so no one drafted him. I picked him up. I got lucky and was able to get into the playoffs. Guess who was fresh for the fantasy football playoffs? Ezekiel Elliott. So my 1-2 at the end of the season when I won the championship was Ezekiel Elliott and James Conner. So do your homework. That's smart. This this handcuff rule this handcuff rule is super important. I hope people are really listening to that because I mean that would save my team a lot of the times if, you know, Leonard Fournette's backup was also on my team, which he <laughs> never was. But no, hot take Mondo spitting truth. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, now going on to my other commitment. I don't know. Are we on number five now? Number six? I think it's a cumulative fifth. Yes. Cumulative fifth. Know who's in your draft. Know the room. If you are from Kansas City and you are drafting with Kansas City Inns, Patrick Mahomes is going to go pretty early. In fact, he's already gone. Don't even try. He's not even on your draft board. Most likely, if you're in a Kansas City draft, the first pick of the draft is Patrick Mahomes. The second pick of the draft is Travis Kelsey. The third pick of the draft is Tyreek Hill. So know that these players are going to go off the board and use that to your advantage. Right? Don't be a homer. Okay? If you're from Kansas City, wait and I'll go through this later, but wait for your Kansas City Chiefs, right? Don't pick high. Wait. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, this is so much fun. Commandment number six. Etiquette commandment subcategory three. <laughs> no trash trades. What I'm saying is if your season is going poorly, don't just be a fire sale for good players when you're getting crushed. What? So, like, if someone comes to you and says, like, hey, man, uh, I, I'm doing pretty good, but I can't quite get over uh, Tom's team. Hey, uh, I'll, I'll trade you Kevin White for Travis Kelsey. That is not a fair trade. The person asking for Travis Kelsey or an equivalent good player, they have to at least lose something in return so it's fair for everyone <laughs> doing a trash trade like that or just throwing your players up on the waiver wire throws out the competitive balance for people that don't know you're doing a fire sale and have a good team going but now oh my gosh i am now playing a guy who like his three deep running back and flex is ezekiel elliott christian mccaffrey and david johnson just because you know somebody gave up and threw all their players in the waiver wire don't be that person and your friends will never go to wing shack with you ever again uh-uh you're going to twin peaks for the rest of your life deal with it <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> all right speaking about commandments commandment number uh seven yes commandment number seven be patient with your quarterbacks do not draft a quarterback before the third round. Now, there will be an exception this year. We will talk about Lamar Jackson later. I will allow it if you draft Lamar Jackson early, but you better have a damn good reason to draft Lamar Jackson early because he will get you rushing yards, of course, and a lot of rushing touchdowns. But don't draft Tom Brady, okay? Wait till like the sixth round for Tom Brady, right? You got Or don't draft Tom Brady, period. Or don't draft him at all. There is an argument to be made, though, if you want to draft him. But wait for... Okay, say there's, like, one dude in your league that 
just prides himself on having a Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. And he's like, I'm going to be so good. Don't take the bait. Right. If someone drafts a quarterback in the first round, don't panic and don't go, oh, no, now everyone's drafting quarterbacks. Here we go. Uh, uh, Drew Brees. You know, don't do that. You have to wait. The quarterback depth in 2020 is deep. You can wait until round five. You can wait until round six. Even if all your inexperienced friends are drafting all these quarterbacks, wait, get running backs, right? Get some good wide receivers. Even get some tight ends, right? Tight end is pretty thin this year. So wait for your quarterbacks. Don't be that guy that's like, with the third pick of the draft, Cam Newton. Gosh. Don't be that guy. That's that's a really good point because, man, it is really hard not to pick quarterbacks when the first person kind of breaks the seal on them. And then maybe somebody else does, and it's like, oh, my gosh, now Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson are off the board. I got to pick a quarterback now. No, wait. Don't blow your chance on getting great running backs, great flex players, guys like that. They're going to be more important than a running back or than a quarterback in the long term. This is a microcosm of how the stock market crashes, right? This is how people learn about the stock market. You see people taking money out of McDonald's, then they go, oh no, if Joe Schmo took money out, I have to take money out. And then just a domino, right? Don't be a domino. Don't be, be a chest, a chest, what is it called? <laughs> Bobby Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> be Bobby Fisher. Friend of the podcast, Bobby Fisher. Uh, so now, this brings us to commandment number eight. Don't veto trades in your league just to be a jerk. Oh, uh, it's the worst. If you see a blockbuster trade going on across the park, and it's like, man, oh man, I had my eye on DeAndre Hopkins. I was going to offer him this, this, and this after one more week, but now he's doing it with Dave. Man, this sucks. I'm going to veto this trade. No. Don't be that guy. Unless it is the aforementioned Travis Kelsey for Kevin White Garbaggio trade, you let nature run its course. That is what a commissioner is for. A commissioner is there to block the trades that are trash, but let the ones that are supposed to happen, happen. Because again, guys, this is competitive balance. It's fun. It's fairness. If you're trying to be just like Machiavelli for the sake of being an edgelord, don't even play fantasy football. <laughs> Shout out to my brother Andrew for trying to be Machiavelli. That's a different story. Anyway, commandment number nine be mindful of your bye weeks. So if you draft Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, guess who's going to be gone that certain bye week? Your top three players. So it's okay for you to draft Chiefs players, but then you better have a diverse player profile in your starting lineup right don't pick three chiefs players and then pick like three texans players yeah if 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 you decide to die on the hill of patrick mahomes and tyree kill which is a perfect hill to die on then you also have to be very diverse and know who's going to be playing in that week or even go even specifically into that week right if it's week five and you see deandre hopkins is playing the jets that week Right then, you want DeAndre Hopkins on your team because you're not going to get a lot of points. So you have to get someone to compensate for the points you're not going to have that week from Patrick and from Tyreek. So just have that. And 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 ESPN leaks. I think Yahoo does as well. It shows you when you draft people where the bye weeks are. 
So just kind of connect the dots there. Do do a little uh, connect four there, all right? And same thing goes, too, for, like, realizing when other players' bye weeks are. So it's like, I got Tyreek Hill. His bye week's going to be week eight. Okay, this is fine. I've also got Amari Cooper, whose bye week is week eight. Oh, crap! You know, it's like, then you've lost two really great options week eight, and that could really cost you when it comes down to, like, the last games before the playoffs. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially. Yeah. All right. Commandment number 10, which sums up basically all of my commandments up to this point, which is no collusion. Don't be that person that throws off the competitive balance in your league because I don't know. It just feels like cheating to me, guys. You know, when you're when you're planning on sabotaging somebody by like holding off on a trade or like rejecting really good quality trades just because you want so-and-so to have OBJ the week that he plays Kevin so that he can beat Kevin that one week and get you into the playoffs. And, you know, it, it wraps up my other things I've said, too. Don't trash trade just for the sake of getting back at Nick. You know, it's just seriously, play the game every week the right way. Be mindful of the whole league. If a trade is good and it helps both players make the trade, don't be that guy. Reese. I wish you were my baseball coach in sixth grade because you you preach like try your hardest. But in sixth grade, my baseball coach is like, Armando, run laps. And like <laughs> fat Armando is just like, ah. and I, I, I never got to play sports before like sixth grade because I was in boys choir. So I like never got to play ba- like basketball and I never got to learn like fundamentals of the game because by the time sixth grade rolls around, like, everyone already knows how to field. Everyone already knows how to, like, turn from second to first. Me, I was like, I'm just a choir boy. But if I would have had referees, gosh, I would I would be sidearming with Wyatt Mills right now. Oh, man. Shout out to Wyatt Mills, true friend of the podcast. Great guy. Going to kill yeah, someday. Sure. He just got his beer a couple weeks ago. He said he, he, he loved his everyone's favorite time of the podcast where we review a beer and this is very important today because you can't have a fantasy football draft without the proper beer i cannot stress this enough i don't want to see you walking in there with like you know i got a 30 pack of bud let's let's go crazy i got some got some buffalo bills decaled cans no that's child's play go jump through a table we're reviewing high quality beer so you can make some high quality choices in your fantasy draft Man, I am torqued. I, I am so torqued right now, I actually can't lead this beer review off. I have to pass the torch over to Armando. Aww. Armando, what beer are you going to be reviewing for us today? The beer I'm going to be reviewing is Outer Range Brewing Company, which is out in Frisco, Colorado. It's a mountain town about 30 minutes away from Estes Park. And they are probably like the fastest growing brewery right now in colorado that's really killing the game like they just they're coming out with ipas they're coming out with imperial stouts and it and really great beers so today i have the pleasure of reviewing low and behold which is a double dried hop ipa wow so you, they're faster growing than you guys even because i know uh, weldworks is just like definitely no sorry let me rephrase that. They're probably the like fastest growing like micro micro brew. Like you wouldn't have heard of Outer Range maybe three years ago, and now they're really coming into their own. Like I'll even show you this can art. Great job, Outer Range. Um, 
It's like this like oh, that's an awesome yeah, can art. super good can art for those at home. It's this like this like rainbowish, but also kind of like someone like smeared paint in a beautiful way on a canvas. You got oh, it actually kind of looks like mountains. Maybe it's mountains. Wow, I got that all Dude. wrong. Now it's like when you look at a painting and then like after ten minutes you're like oh, it's a giraffe. No, I totally feel what you're saying. The can art is there. I gotta ask, is there lotus hops in that beer? Because it reminds me of like an album cover for Flying Lotus, the artist. <laughs> That's actually, yeah. I don't think there's lotus in this one. Um, what I'm seeing on Untapped, and, and I could be wrong out of range, I apologize. But it says the hops are really cool, mosaic, and also barbed rouge. What? Uh, yep, I had to look it up. Barb rouge is a hop from France. And it's supposed to give off of an aroma of berries, like kumquat, orange, lime, and red currant. I've never heard of Barb Rouge before. I'm probably saying it wrong as well. But um, I don't know where they got those hops. I've never heard of them, so I'm really excited to try it. I've never had it. That is pretty exciting. What did you say the aromas are supposed to be on those? Uh, aromas are supposed to be like berry flavor for this hop. So like red berries cum- uh, and kumquat, orange, lime, red currant, strawberry, and raspberry. Well, only one way to find out. Crack that bad boy open and tell us what you find on Aroma. Ka-ching! Also, by the way, I'm super excited to do a fantasy draft with uh, with Weldworks. Well, actually, no, I'm not in town anymore. I'm in a different town. But apparently at Weldworks, they go, like, all out. Like, they get sponsored by Wing Shack, and then they got, like, all these, like, barrel-aged stouts for their draft. But I'm going to miss oh, out man. on it because I'm... Well, I guess they can't even do it because of COVID. But, yeah, being at a brewery has its perks. Fantasy football is one of them, baby. Absolutely. I think the beer hall... And maybe one or two others did a fantasy draft last year. Speaking of which, guess what my uh, team name was called? Uh, <laughs> knowing you, it could be like 40 different things, Reese. <laughs> uh, quick shout out to a uh, last place finishing team, Bourbon Barrel Squad. Ah! That's actually pretty we good. We weren't good. We the team <laughs> name was far better than the actual on field performance. I will. I'll ask you during the during our actual podcast who you drafted. Okay. <laughs> I digress. Here is the aroma. Ooh. You know this. This smells like straight up mango. Yeah, I'm getting no berry. I'm getting a lot of like fruit forward, like mango. Getting some peach as well. Very citrusy over the berry, but I know it's supposed to be blended, but I'm getting like all citrus. Maybe the berry will be on the tongue, but that's a very, it's a very good smelling beer though. I I love, I love that. I'm going to give it a nine, solid nine. Oh, wow. Coming out the gates, not even given the berries it promised, but it's a nine. Holy cow. You know, I, I totally respect that range. Great stuff. Good job. Major respect. All right, number two is appearance. What does that beer look like? Is it uh, matching the can art in which it looks like the Pocahontas paint with all the colors of the wind music video? <laughs> Do you hear the co- I actually don't know the song. I don't know why I tried to sing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just tried like free ball in a song. <laughs> It's like it's like trying to free ball like what people like know like like the Star Spangled Banner. I don't know. I just try to make it up. <laughs> just kidding. I know Star Spangled Banner. Excuse me. Non pure and dry at a uh, aria competition tomorrow. Yeah, sure. I'll go out there. Non pure and dry. Non pure and dry. Farfalone amoroso. Yep, just like that. 
Wow, I hope some of our audience got that. All right. Um, this is super cool. I, you know, the, um, it doesn't say that it's a hazy. I, I guess I just assumed it was, but it's not. It, this is actually a clearish cloudy beer. It's kind of a mixture of both. You can see through the glass, but there is definitely some cloud up top. And it kind of looks like Gatorade, like, like lime Gatorade that's been diluted. Really? This is, yeah, let me show you on the video. I mean that that looks like a that looks like a pilsner almost. That kind of does, yeah. That's that's a funky looking IPA. So I am, yeah, I'm pretty confused right now, um, because I guess so. It's definitely not. I mean, it could actually be a hybrid. It could be East and West Coast, but yeah, I'm actually super intrigued now to try the beer because this is not what I thought it was going to look like. Because I've had other outer range beers in their IPAs and their doubles. And they're very hazy. This one is not hazy at all. So this is going to be pretty cool. All um, right. So I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted on a rating now because I, it didn't meet my expectations, but I like that. How about 8.3? 8.3 on appearance. All right. I dig it. I shout dig out it. to Noah again. Noah actually messaged me last night. He was like, thanks for all the shout outs. Dude, shout out to, <laughs> shout out to true friend of the podcast, Noah Metzger, for being like our most <laughs> devoted listener up to this point. Yeah, Noah like went into detail about our podcast and I was like, thanks, dude. dude. Gotta, yeah, I feel, I feel like we got to be giving some of these royalties that we're not making to, to <laughs> Noah. Shout out, buddy. Thanks, thanks for listening. All right. Number three, then flavor. What's that bad boy taste like? Whoa. Okay. Again, the mosaic hop is kind of overpowering the Barb Rouge. I was very excited for the Barb Rouge, but I am getting a lot of citrus on this one. I do get a little bit of the raspberry, but it's honestly, it's it's not enough to make a splash. Um, when, when I like hyped up this Barb Rouge, I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to taste like a sour IPA or something. Um, but, it, and, and not to say it's a bad IPA. This is actually very good. This is, this tastes very good. Um, if you listen to any of our, our beer podcasts, I love the citrus flavor in all the beers that I've had. Um, and this just gives me a lot of orange, some lime, which then I, I guess could attribute to the Barb Rouge, given that sour taste. And it's actually kind of dank, which is cool. I would not, I would not think that the Barb Rouge would make a beer dank it's probably the mosaic in it but um yeah actually i would be interested to have barb rouge not double dried hop because as uh as you know reese and our fans probably know or might not know the double dried hop can really just change a whole hop like if you have a citrus hop or a, sorry a citra hop that's not double dried hopped um it could just be like like that will have a totally different flavor than their double dried hop citra hop so maybe i'd like to just try it regular see what it tastes like but it's very true. I mean, it's also a chance that if that barbed rouge is a super elusive or expensive hop, you know, it's in there kind of as a uh, a garnish, you know, instead oh. of a a full fledged, you know, hot varietal in there. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, but all to say, this is actually a very good beer. I love the flavor on it. In fact, uh, I'm going to give it an eight point seven. Ooh, 8.7. So we got 9, 8, 3, 8, 7. Now here comes the fourth thing, mouth feel. How does that thing feel sloshing around in your mouth? Have to do it one more time. Yeah, with the amount of flavor that you get on the um, on the finish, you would think that it would feel heavier in the mouth, but it's actually pretty light. The way that the appearance looks kind of fits the way it feels in your mouth. 
uh, which is cool. Yeah, I actually don't mind that. I don't mind that. I, I love a heavy mouthfeel on, on IPAs that are very citrusy, um, but this one, actually, not too bad. I'm going to give it um, 8.4. All right. 8.4 is good. Uh, aftertaste. How is that guy doing after you've swallowed and exhaled? Anything different? Is that uh, barbed rouge coming out anymore? Actually... I just I just smelled it again. It actually smells different. Now. Whoa! Get out now! Now I now now I can totally sniff the berry. Yep, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So for our, for our viewers out there, it's always good to do a second one or to let let your beer sit a little bit. I know we have this concept of my beer has to be freezing cold right out the tap, but give it some time. <laughs> give it, especially with beers that have like crazy hops like Bar Bruges. Give it some time so it can sit. Because yeah, now I'm getting. Berry, but I'm not gonna amend my aroma. It's still good. Okay, aftertaste. Sorry, I just thought that was really cool. Oh yeah, no, that's that's a very good aftertaste because you get the dank flavor on the tongue, but sometimes the dank can be like a little too dank on the aftertaste. But that's very smooth, and I think it's also the mosaic that kind of gives it that good blend. I'm a sucker for for mosaic, so that's dope. I'm gonna give it a nine point one. On aftertaste. Wow. Well, I mean, it, yeah. No, this is solid. I'm gonna have to send you these beers, or when you come down here, we're gonna have some. Bam, oh my bam, gosh. Bam. Please, yes, please. All right. So, last but not least, what is the BDQ on this guy? All right. And what is what does BDQ stand for, Reese? I, I keep forgetting. BDQ stands for the uh, Barbed Rouge Differentiate Quotient. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's gonna be rolling in his bed right now, but in like a bad way. <laughs> uh, that's not what it stands for. You Barb can't put Rouge. an R in there. <laughs> that's two words. You don't get acronym is invalid. It's like when people I play crossword puzzles. It's like when people have like the signs, you know, a college game. They say like ESPNU, and they have like you know they're doubling down on a phrase for one of those letters. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to come in hot with this one. Hot Tech Mono coming in. Because we have the Barb Rouge, because the appearance is not what I thought it would be, the flavor is excellent, even though I'm not getting a lot of berry, because I sniffed it one more time and it changed expectations, I'm giving BDQ a 9.7. Whoa. Because this is one crazy beer. Yeah, it sounds like a crazy beer. Crazy can art, crazy funky aromas going on. It sounds like they're mixing magic over there, man. Lo and behold, I tell you a mystery. Ah, love it. All right. So for me today, as I alluded to earlier in this beer review, because this is a fantasy football episode and you can't be bringing those racks of 30 to your fantasy draft unless your name is Chugs, <laughs> I strive for a higher or Kyle. watermark of beer. Yeah, or Kyle. I strive for a higher level of watermark for beer. I'm going for a craft beer equivalent of bringing a domestic beer. And I'm reviewing, it's a classic today that I haven't had since I can't even remember. It is the Sierra Nevada Torpedo IPA Extra IPA. Whoa! Yeah, have you ever had this? Wait, so I, I've had I've had the original Torpedo. Is this a play on the Torpedo or that is the Torpedo? You know, I'm, unfortunately, I'm actually not versed enough in Sierra Nevada to tell you. This just says Torpedo IPA and then in like a subheading. Let me see the can art real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've had that one, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, solid. I, I figured it'd be kind of... Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. Uh, haven't had this in many a blue moon. Yay! Um, let's 
Thank you for that. That's the other thing about <laughs> fantasy football. You always have to support your friends, even when they make really bad jokes about really good beer. All right, number one on the list is Aroma. <laughs> this is fun. This beer smells like... Uh, you know, I said I haven't had this in many years. It was probably back in college or grad school last time I had it. And that's what the smelling of this beer reminds me of. It's just like college and grad school, back before, like, IPAs were hazy. Back, back, back when men were men, and IPAs were dank hot bombs. You had I, I, IPAs in college? Of course I did, dude. I was, like, the biggest hipster pill in college. Wait, so, me? like, so, so, like, you would, like, roll in freshman year, everyone's drinking PBRs, and you were, like... Guess who brought Sierra? Well, well, not freshman year. I don't think I started drinking until like... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I didn't drink till I was 21. I was super straight edge. Uh, Wait, but... So, okay, so hold on. This is actually very interesting. I think interesting for our fans as well. So you hit 21, and you had never had like PBR, Milwaukee's Best, any of that, and then your like first drink is a Sierra Nevada? Oh, no, I, I worked my way up into it. My first drink I ever had was a Blue Moon. Uh, you know, I mean... Th- Still which very back fancy. then... You- you, yeah, you got to remember back then, like Blue Moon was kind of like the gateway drug into craft beer. Oh yeah, you know all those restaurants still would is. still charge you craft for that. And it's like, come on, we all know Coors owns Blue Moon. Uh, <laughs> I digress myself. So what I what I mean by smelling this, as I alluded to, it brings me back to an age where like IPAs were the dank, bitter cousin of beer you know it was almost like a specialty niche instead of like his own big category yeah it was like west west coast yeah it's so sweet it's so piney it just smells like fun it smells like when you got a craft beer at the crappy dive bar and it's like wow this is such a good night so (laughs) oh reese you're so learned oh dude i am the most learned I'm, I'm, i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you real quick it was really funny being in Iowa, being at that bar uh, in by Simpson College, the uh, the uh, zoo. Oh, shout out to the zoo, friend, friends so, of the podcast. So zoo is like the most typical whatever bar, right? Like pretty grungy. So they had like whatever, Bud Light, you know, Miller, Coors, and then toppling Goliath King Sue. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, dude. King Sue is just, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here? Get out. <laughs> Who invited you to the party? Like, I'll... like people pay like $40 a can in that for that here in Colorado. And, and I'm over at the zoo like, you want a bud? You want a Coors? Or would you like a King Sue from Toppling Goliath? <laughs> And they always had crazy prices on it, too. It'd be like yeah. four bucks for a tall boy of that stuff. I'm like, you kidding me? That's incredible. <laughs> Shout out to the zoo. All right. Sorry, yeah. Reese, for interrupting you. That was just a funny story. No, great story. Shout out to the zoo. So uh, anyway, long story short on this, aroma is fresh. Aroma is piney. Aroma is dank. I am giving us a very solid 8.5 on aroma. Ooh. Uh, next up appearance, again. This is taking me down the memory lane of what brought me to IPAs in the first place, in that it's it's a translucent amber color. Uh, it's you can't quite see what's behind it. You can just make out things like I can see my computer screen. What's on my screen? I couldn't tell you, but it's beautiful. It's attractive. The head was pretty high on it initially, and it's gone down a little, well, considerably. Uh, but it's it's still there. It's it's re- maintaining probably at least an eighth to uh you know an eighth to two. What do you call it? Oh yeah, a quarter, eighth <laughs> to a quarter of head. 
And the carbonation on this is, uh, you know, it's it's few and far between. It's really pretty. Again, I'm going to give this an 8.5 on appearance. It looks like a beer clean as the Sierra Nevadas. Flavor. Ooh, here we go. Oh, man. Here's my first semi-disappointing thing about this IPA. Oh, no. As abounding with aroma as the beer was, for as beautiful as the beer is, it is surprisingly subtle to the point of almost lacking in flavor. Not saying there's not flavor going on here, but it's like if somebody brought you a Maserati, you know, you rev the engine and it sounds really good, but it does zero to 60 in like six seconds instead of, you know, three and a half <laughs> seconds like a sports car would. That's how this feels. I'm going to give it a second opinion sip really quick. Breaking news, this is our first second opinion sip ever on the podcast. I mean, it's it's not bad. It's good. I mean, it's very good. But, yeah, no. Go back and listen to that analogy I just gave you. Flavor, I'm going to give it an 8.2. An 8.2. Mouthfeel. You know, it's got a... It's got kind of a medium to a light medium body to it. You can definitely taste the carbonation, or feel the carbonation in the mouth. It goes to the sides of the tongue. I actually get a little bit of alcohol warmth from it, surprisingly, which, I mean, that's kind of like an old traditional pale ale sort of thing. Mouthfeel, not crazy, not bad. I'm going to give it an 8.0 in mouthfeel. 8.0 in mouthfeel. Aftertaste. <laughs> Okay, so it's funny. The aftertaste does what I thought the flavor was going to. When you exhale, you get a lot of that grassiness and pininess that you don't necessarily get from sipping the beer. And upon exhaling, I actually do get a lot more of that uh, kind of alcohol, you know, flavor, texture, whatever you want to call it from the mouthfeel. I get a lot of that from the aftertaste itself. But... As I alluded to, the whole take me back IPA college flavor stuff, I get a lot of that from the aftertaste of this. You know, it, it, it tastes like I'm on the rooftop patio of a bar on the college strip enjoying this beer on like an 88 degree night. Bad music's playing, but good people are around. So for aftertaste, I'm going to give this an 8.6. Good aftertaste. Bring me the B-boys and Lastly, be my soul. Wanna get lost. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, give me the beat, boys, and BDQ. <laughs> uh, That's what I meant. Exactly. Um, so, you know, BDQ on this... You know, I got to see what the price point is for if you're buying a four pack of these tall boys or I don't know, a six pack, whatever it's a price point on these guys. Because if you asked me this again, five, six, seven years ago, I'd say the BDQ on this is like, you know, very high, very high. But nowadays, you know, there's so many great IPAs. But for this one being a classic, uh, you know, it's it's fun to go back and get this beer again. It's very similar to when you're on Spotify and you pull up like MGMT and you're like, you know what? I really like this album way back when. You give it one listen to and you kind of put it back in the drawer, you know, probably for another two, three years until you get nostalgic again. So BDQ on the Sierra Nevada, I'm going to give it a solid 
for BDQ. Yeah, shout out Sierra Nevada, the first microbrewery in America. Yeah, seriously, Sierra Nevada, like, you know, walking so that everyone else could even begin to. I was going to say, and they, you know, if it wasn't for Sierra Nevada, then because I think I've shared this on on our Patreon account. By the way, follow us on Patreon so you can listen to exclusive content that we have served in the past, one of which I shared that Sierra Nevada, you know, used to be the the Weldworks, the the, you know, crazy hop of America and then became standardized. So they really were the father of all these experimental beers coming out. Oh, yeah. Because no. everyone was trying to <laughs> replicate me. something that was so out there. Yeah. It's like, you want ham? You want Schlitz? You want uh, Milwaukee's best? Or would you like a paleo? <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the zoo again. <laughs> so I guess v- very last bonus question, Armando, what beer are you bringing to your fantasy football draft? Wow. Um, I am probably going to bring, now I'm biased again because I work for Weldworks, but I'm bringing a Coconut Media Noche 2020, which is a bourbon barrel age imperial stout. Really? That was just cracked in 2020. Ooh, that's pretty good. That sounds really good. Actually, actually. you know what? Actually, I lied. I'm going to get something lighter so that I can share it with you when you get here. I dig it. I dig it. For me, I'm probably going to be bringing... I'll bring a six pack of Alpha Pale from Torn Ooh. Label because that's pretty good stuff, and it's it's a very it's a very drinkable IPA. I'm not going to say crushable, but it's yeah, very drinkable. Alpha Alpha Pale was one of my favorites in Kansas City. Good choice. All right, let's move on to our beloved Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Kansas City Chiefs are very fantasy relevant. Yeah, we have a lot of players on here that can make some big noise. And some players, there could be some extra ones that can be flyers as well. So we're going to break down in no particular order. Actually, we're, we're breaking down in order of like popularity and players that we think are good. Not necessarily that we think are like the best fantasy players. Because this, this, this conversation is about to get pretty interesting, I think. So let's go with our first player, our beloved... Patrick Mahomes, co-owner of the Kansas City Royals. True that. Reese, I'm gonna send I'm gonna send this to you, Reese. Where are you drafting Patrick Mahomes? Which which round do you think you would you would draft Patrick? You know, this one's really difficult to pick because as we've mentioned, quarterbacks are not as important as running backs and wide receivers in most fantasy leagues. But the tricky thing on this is that Patrick Mahomes will put up fantasy crushing numbers when he's not hobbled, when he doesn't have Cam Irving falling on his ankle every other week or like popping his knee back into place. So I would say if there's one quarterback you want to make a big reach on in the second round, I would say it's Patrick Mahomes. Otherwise, I would say wait until the third, maybe even fourth round. If he's there, you can get him as a steal. That That's a pretty good point, Reese. Yeah, if he drops that low, absolutely you want to take Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is going second right now on ESPN rankings, and he is 26th overall in ESPN rankings as well. Now, what's interesting this year is that Lamar Jackson is going pretty early in drafts, in mock drafts particularly. You're seeing Lamar Jackson go in the late first round sometimes in the mid second round like i said in the beginning of the podcast do not jump for patrick mahomes after lamar jackson 
As much as I am a Chiefs fan, as you all know, I have my Patrick Mahomes jersey that I've got from an unknown site that I will not name on the podcast. (laughs) Lamar Jackson is very good at fantasy because he's a running quarterback. I forgot the stat, but he had like almost as many rushing touchdowns as any other running back in the NFL. So it's almost like you're getting a quarterback and you're getting uh, RB1 with Lamar Jackson. So don't be fooled when you see Lamar Jackson get drafted in the first round. Don't try to jump for Patrick Mahomes, like I said in the beginning, because Lamar Jackson is just so, you know, a super freak at that point. Now, personally, I would not take Lamar Jackson um, over a you know really good wide receiver because like I said the quarterback depth is is huge like Dak Prescott could have a very good year he he could be one of the best quarterbacks right now Aaron Rodgers is going like quarterback ten or eleven because he doesn't have a great like core of wide receivers right now but he's still a great quarterback so you have to consider all those things. Um, I agree with Reese. Take him, take him third round, take him fourth round if you can see him. But he's going to have a great year. Obviously, his his offense is his offense. This might be the best offense that the Chiefs have had since Patrick Mahomes has been there. What do you think, Reese? Oh, I definitely think he has the opportunity to be up there with the 2018 squad, primarily because Clyde Edwards-Alaire is added to the mix. And last year, we had running back by committee. We had some veterans come in. We had some really young guys. It was just kind of, who's healthy this week? Who's been hot for the last week and a half? Okay, you're the starting running back this game. So I think COVID is a big variable to throw in this. But if everyone can stay healthy, I think Patrick Mahomes is set to have a big year fantasy-wise. Excellent, excellent. Okay, Reese, who are you taking? And yes, this is a softball question. George Kittle or Travis Kelsey as your first tight end? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to take Kittle because the uh, the blocks per block average in the average BPB league is going to be just <laughs> off the charts. And... Uh, <laughs> No. Yo, Kittle, Kittle just got me 40 yeah, points. Kittle just got me like like 10 points in that last block. No, Kittle's a fantastic player. Seriously, I hope someday friend of the podcast, Kittle. Um, but I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey on this one. And in regards to what round I draft, draft Travis Kelsey, I would say I'm probably looking at a very late first round, depending on how your league's going, or probably a mid to late second round pick especially if your league is giving points for first downs that's going to be a big thing because pat is always looking for kelsey on third and long yeah reese that that's a really good point uh travis kelsey is going 17th overall on espn rankings and then he's also the first tight end uh just over george kittle George Kittle is 18th on ESPN rankings. Um, So, yeah, that's a really good point. You can take Travis Kelsey first. You know, I've seen Travis Kelsey go first in rounds before because the wide receiver depth is so massive. So if you are at the end of your first round, all the very dynamic running backs are gone, right? At that point, you have like Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, you have like a Chris Carson. So are you taking a Chris Carson or all those guys over 
a Travis Kelsey. If you take Travis Kelsey first, that's fine. Like I, I think that's perfectly fine to take him at the end of the first round if you don't think that those wide receivers close by him are any good. Because I would take Travis Kelsey over a Kenyon Drake. Well, who knows what Kenyon Drake's going to look like with Kyler Murray and, and DeAndre Hopkins? Who knows what Miles Sanders is going to look like? I like Chris Carson. Um, but do I like Chris Carson over a dynamic Travis Kelsey who essentially acts like a wide receiver as well? No. I'm going to say bet on Kelsey just because everyone seems to have a really defined role in our offense. It's not like we have one star player and the offense focuses through them. We have so many different players that do many different things really well. And Kelsey's set of skills really plays towards fantasy football. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got an interesting one for you, Reese. We have a Tyree Kill that, knock on wood, has no drama this year, is no longer this punt returner that some people were making him out to be. He is a legitimate elite route runner, right? Last year, we even had questions about Tyree Kill, not only because of the off-field issues, but because of what we didn't know what he was going to be as a route runner. He is officially, there is no question anymore. Tyree Kill is the real deal, one of the best elite wide receivers in the league. So Reese, who are you taking? Are you taking a Tyree Kill in a system with Patrick Mahomes, who's been with him for the last, what, four years now? Three, no, three years? Or are you taking the dynamic, athletic DeAndre Hopkins on a new Arizona Cardinals team? You know, I'm probably picking DeAndre Hopkins overall because he plays in the dome, because Kyler Murray's got an arm, because Kyler Murray's going to want to play with his new toy that he just got brought in. You know, I'm not going to lie. I think as a conventional wide receiver, Hopkins has a whole lot going for him. Not saying that Hill doesn't, but Hill has to spread the wealth with so many other people. You know, Pat's not always looking at him first every play of the way. I'm sure Kyler will be looking for Hopkins. And, you know, I think just by namesake, by conventional wide receiver skills, a lot of people in a lot of drafts are going to be looking to get him first, maybe Julio second. I would say wait and see if you can get Tyreek Hill at the beginning of the second round and then laugh at people for not picking him sooner. That's a good, yeah, that's a really good point, Reese. Tyreek Hill's going 15th overall, so just in the beginning of the second round, just like you said. Um, a couple drafts that I've done, Tyreek has been there at the very end of the first round, and I've been able to, if you're doing a snake draft, I've been able to do one, two, Tyreek Hill, and like, I know I said I hate Julio Jones, but I've been able to get Tyreek and Julio. Julio as my wide receiver, too, is like, okay, fine, I hate Julio, but okay, in a mock draft, fine. Now, if in my real draft, maybe not because I like I, you guys know my my anti Julio Jonesness uh, that I wouldn't do that. But I'm seeing a lot of drafts going like either the last pick is Tyreek Hill in the first round or the beginning of the second round. Now, this is the first time we're going to disagree on this podcast, Reese. I usually disagree with Kyle, as you guys know. I actually find pleasure in disagreeing with Kyle on most things. Uh, but never Reese. Reese and I usually have a very good understanding of things, but but today this is our this is our disagreement, man. I, I'm gonna pick Tyreek Hill over DeAndre Hopkins just because of not a volatile situation with the Arizona Cardinals, but a very big question mark. Right? I I like Kyler Murray, um, but I feel like they're even though it is the new toy. Uh, he has a lot of toys there, right? Kenyon Drake did really well when David Johnson was out. You still have Larry. I know Larry's not going to be the number one 
pass catcher, but Larry's still going to be pretty good. And then you also have like three different wide receivers that are very athletic on that team. And you also have the legs of Kyler Murray. Um, I don't know who's going to be number one there. Um, so it is, uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. I'm going to take the sure bet, especially in the first couple rounds. I want to go, I want to go with things that I know. Right? I'm not going to take any chances in the first round. And Tyreek Hill, lo and behold, is a sure bet now. Used to not be, but now he is. So there we go. So we got Tyreek Hill, and now we have probably the most controversial, in a good way, honestly, actually the hottest topic, I think, in fantasy football right now, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. This dude, Lewis Riddick, went on Twitter and said, you should be taking Clyde Edwards-Alaire number one overall in your NFL drafts. Reese, what say you? I think he is one of the biggest high-risk, high-reward players in fantasy history. But I also think a lot of people making takes like that are people that are trying to sound smart to the point that I think they might play themselves just because we haven't seen a down from Clyde Edwards-Alaire yet, and we don't know what kind of running back he's going to be. I think he's going to get fed very well in the passing game, but he's also got to do work with his legs, man, and we don't know how he's going to be, you know, running through the tackles or punching it on the goal line, and, you know, if he's just going to be a receiving running back in this system, you know, there's a lot of other people that have to be fed in the passing game, so I think saying taking him number one overall is pretty risky. If you want to make him the first running back you draft and you're doing it high second round, middle second round, I don't think that's a bad pick. There I think his risk-reward ratio is even more in your favor, but I'm not sure I'm bur- like busting my first round pick on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This is like when I was a freshman in theory class and we were doing like Bach cantatas and we were um, analyzing them. And then we had that one theory major or like the one composer that was like, well, why can't I put this note here? Or why can't I put this note here? And then my theory teacher would go, because that's the rules, little Jimmy. Those are the rules. Yeah, shout out to little Jimmy, not friend of the podcast. (laughs) Well, guess who's going to break his own rule right now? Hot take Mondo! Uh Uh-oh. I originally said, I'm taking safe bets round one, round two. But if I see Clyde Edwards-Alaire drop any lower than five, I'm taking Clyde. Oh, wow. I I am high on Clyde. Lewis Riddick predicted the majesty of Juan Thornhill. He predicted the majesty of Kareem Hunt. He knew these guys were going to be good. Lewis Riddick also used to be a former Chiefs Intel person. He used to be in the office there. So he knows... When Andy Reid picks a running back in the first round, which has happened never, it's going to be something very special. I am betting on Clyde Edwards-Elaire because he is going to drop. He is going to drop to you in the first round, right? People don't know who he is. Now, we are homers, right? We listen to sports radio all the time. We're hearing about Clyde. I've been watching videos of Clyde. I mean, that dude is a short dude, but that dude has like tree trunk legs. Those are some huge legs that are speedy as well. I've, I honestly, I, I don't want to like tout him up too much, but I've never seen a player like him. He looks like a smaller Ezekiel Elliott to me. Like he looks that good. Yeah, 
It'll be interesting. Like I said, he looks really good. I think it's still another thing to see how he plays because he is a little short for the running back position overall, especially if you're going to have him ground and pound, you know, and try and get his yards and his touchdowns that way. I'm just still not sure he's worth a first round pick right now. But I mean, we've never seen anything like Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid's an offensive genius. Would I bet the over under on Alaire being a very good offensive player, I would bet the over. I think it's very unlikely he's going to be disappointing. But like I said, would I pick him for sure as a first-round pick? I'm not quite sure for myself. Reese, I'll ask you this question. Is this the most talented player... Sorry, is this the most talented running back that Andy Reid has ever drafted with the Chiefs? Because he's made... I'll preface this. Right? He he made... um, Spencer wear a star, right? He made Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt had talent, but Kareem Hunt dropped because of a lot of, you know, off the field issues, but he made him a star as well. Um, Damian Williams was almost the Super Bowl MVP, not because of Damian Williams' talent, very good, but because of the play calling of Andy Reid. Now Andy Reid has someone with no off field issues, incredible talent, was going to go as the number one running back anyway in the draft if Andy Reid had not picked him. Now Andy Reid has, to me, one of the best players that he's ever drafted. What do you think? I don't think he's the best running back Andy Reid's ever drafted. I still think that it has to go to Kareem Hunt. Uh, Hunt was one of those players that I seriously think if he didn't have Toledo on the front of his jersey and instead had an SEC team, I think he's a top five pick when he got drafted. Um, I think... Clyde is also very talented, but on the flip side, I think he benefited more from having the LSU on his jersey than having a Toledo. Um, I really miss Kareem Hunt, the player. He was outstanding and a franchise running back that you could build a team around. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to fit great into the system, but I don't quite think he's a franchise running back that 31 other teams in the league would build their offense around. And with that, we finished our first fantasy football chief focused podcast. Uh, sorry, Kyle, you couldn't be here, but I sure had a lot of fun with you, Reese. I think we break down a lot of great things. Uh, do not draft Patrick Mahomes round one, even though you love him. We all love Patrick Mahomes, but wait on that. So thank you for listening again. Make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as Podbean and Stitcher. And if you are on Stitcher, go ahead and give us a rating as well. Um, and on Spotify, download. We have one person from the Netherlands and one person from Canada listening. Why don't you shoot us a DM over on uh, Instagram? We're also Fountain City Sports Media on Instagram. Uh, So make sure you do all those things so then we can be legitimate and then go on Patreon. And then you can see all our great stuff. Because Patreon's being mean to us right now. So go ahead and give us some love. Thank you as always for listening and we will see you again next week. 